0: This presentation is from Service Design Canberra 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Our next speakers are Jackie and Marisa from Reach Out. Reach Out is a service aimed at Australian youth, and I'll let them get into the details of it, but they have recently gone through a process of looking at redesigning their service from the outside in. Um, and re-evaluating what that means for them and their audience. Um, And they're going to tell us about the journey that they've been on and some of where they've landed along the way. So please join me in welcoming to the stage Jackie and Marisa. Thanks, Steve. Um, And thanks to Donna as well. We're really excited to be here. And um, thanks to Jess for that um, great opening keynote. Um, It made us feel reassured and also a little bit like, oh, we've got so much more work to do. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. but let's start. Um, we're going to start by first um, meeting Amanda. Um, so Amanda's 20 years old. Um, she's studying law at Un- the University of New South Wales. She lives with her mum and her dad and her older sister. She's got a really big circle of friends and a couple of really, really close friends. Um, her boyfriend and her have been together around six months. Um, She works hard, she gets great marks, she loves fashion and reading and going to see live music and she prides herself on being a really good friend Um, and she really, really likes to help others. But there's something else going on with Amanda. Um, Amanda lately has been having trouble sleeping. No matter how tired she is, she just really can't sleep. She's got this... um, she can't switch her mind off, she's got this constant thought in, the, in her head that she's going to embarrass herself or to stuff up um, and she feels really disconnected or, um, from her life and particularly her boyfriend and she's started making excuses to avoid hanging out with her friends. So like Amanda, one in four young Australians suffer from a mental health difficulty And only about one-third of these people seek help from traditional mental health services. Um, The reasons for this are varied. So let's take Amanda. Um, Amanda probably doesn't recognise that the symptoms that she is experiencing are the early stages of an anxiety disorder. Um, Well, she might recognise them, but she might feel that she's so used to being the helper and that she sort of doesn't actually want to put herself in a position where she's asking for help. Um, And so while young people aren't using traditional mental health services, they are going online. And that's where Reach Out comes in. So Reach Out is Australia's leading online mental health organisation for young people. And we provide practical support to help them get through everything from everyday issues like conflict with your mum and dad or um, dealing with your um, HSC exams to more to tough times like how do you manage life with an anxiety, an anxiety disorder. And we were established in 1998 and um, we're accessed by about 132,000 Australians each month. So given our experience, our long history, our expertise and that reach, why did we need to revise our service model um, and what were the triggers? So the last comprehensive service review started in 2010 and finished in about 2011 and um, maybe we'll look at Amanda again to see what's changed in her world since then. So in 2010 Amanda's mobile phone looked like this. And in fact, only 25% of young people in at that time had um, a smartphone. She'd never heard of any of these, um, and now they're an integral part in her daily life. She met her boyfriend here, not here. And she definitely never heard of this. (laughs) So Amanda's world changed. And so did ours. Reach Out got company. So there are now e-counseling, online Q&A, meditation apps, thought diaries, online deep sleep training, um, CBT courses. Being online is no longer a major differentiator for Reach Out. Our policy environment shifted. Where once Uh, e-mental health services were peripheral to the mental health system they are now seen as central to the future of that system we've got big Um, the organisation has almost doubled in size since 2010 and we've actually launched a whole new service for parents um, to to help them to support their teenagers through tough times so Reach Out responded to these changes in many ways Um, as they kind of happened, um, we invested in a lot of R&D over the last five years. We developed user research and product management capability, and we focused on strengthening our policy agenda. And we delivered. Um, we started to deliver content out in young people's worlds. So we had we deliver content in social media. We've had recently had Snapchat filters. Um, and so when we received funding earlier this year, that we could direct specifically to a future service project we recognised it as an amazing opportunity to strengthen and amplify our work. Um, And we engaged the wonderful MELD Studios, so Steve introduced us, um, to work on this really complex, um, messy project. Um, And our brief was to build a consolidated view of what the future service could look like, um, what the model would be like, and most importantly, a roadmap to start helping us think about how we were going to make it happen. And so for the next little while, Jackie and I are going to take you through some of the lessons that we learnt along the way. Um, So our first lesson was the best um, strategies are living ones. This project was a big undertaking um, and we finished it, we wrapped it up maybe three months ago, three or four months ago. Um, And as we continue to reflect on it, how we did it, what it means, um, we realised that we actually just need to keep nurturing the strategy. Um, We need to be disciplined about holding the strategic vision while at the same time operationalising it. So as we kind of operationalise it and take all these work streams and try and progress them, how do we make sure that all of those streams are actually matching up to the bigger vision um, and I think um, as Jess kind of spoke about, the service, our service environment is really complex it's constantly changing and so we need to make sure that we're carefully watching for changes and making course corrections if we need to Um, And we need to make sure that the whole organisation feels ownership for it, Um, that our strategy doesn't just sit with Jackie and I and the rest of the project team or with um, our leadership, that we we really need to motivate our people um, and keep them motivated. So we've got the big vision, and that's exciting, but how do we actually keep people motivated around that? Um, So far, we've, um, in order to do some of those things, we've run immersive workshops at staff conference, um, and we've incorporated key tools from our strategy into our staff inductions. And we've scheduled quarterly strategy check-ins to kind of reflect on where we're going, has the environment changed, how we might need to change our course. But um, we really welcome the suggestions of the room here in questions or um, over breaks during the day. So slide two... Uh, Lesson two, communicate openly and often. And I think everyone here would agree that this is a deceptively simple idea. Um, It's very hard and it's really time-consuming. And we actually had to try a number of different approaches until we got the communication right for this particular project. So our first attempt was weekly meetings with our big group of stakeholders. And this didn't work at all. Um, It was a big group. It was the beginning of the project and when you've got projects like this where you're trying to get consensus on a future vision, there is actually very little consensus at the beginning. Um, So really what happened is that No one talked openly except for Jackie and I and Jana from MELD. We spent a lot of time talking. And then there were lots of sideline conversations that went on. And those sideline conversations are not good for building consensus. Um, So then we went to one-on-one interviews. And this was a crucial step. And they were just one hour long. They were back-to-back. It was like extreme interviewing. And and we got them transcribed. And... um, Being researchers, we then looked at kind of themes and did all that kind of stuff. And um, what we found was that this was a critical stage in helping to understand what is each individual's vision? What are their concerns? What are their motivations? How do they define success for the service? Um, And through that, we were able to identify alignment and also conflict. And then we also got to develop a sneaky stakeholder influencing map um, and worked out how we were going to... um, to kind of influence people and to get people to kind of come together. Um, And it really guided the rest of the project. And um, following on from the stakeholder interviews, we decided to co-locate. And so the project team moved into one of our offices. Um, And we had an open-door policy. Um, And so people could just sort of come in and ask questions. Um, And all of the design artefacts that were up on the wall acted as sort of the boundary objects, so they um, they were really powerful communication tools so people could see the post-it notes and come in and engage with the kind of version 59 of the service map and all that kind of stuff so um, they were really important and actually at the end of the day the most effective tool for communication was a weekly email update people loved it Um, and so it was sort of the simplest solution was actually the best one And we could follow up these emails with more one on one interviews or, um, when we finally got consensus, group meetings to kind of really nut out the the detail. Um, I think, as a project team, our one regret with our communications is that we shielded our stakeholders too much from the mess. Um, We didn't show enough of the sweat. (laughs) <laughs> um, and we were a little bit too slick. And what that meant was that for many of the stakeholders, they just, by the end of the project, they couldn't comprehend how complex it was because the end result seemed kind of to make sense and to be simple. Um, and I think in some ways it diluted the true value of, um, of, the, of the end result, and so I think that was a big lesson of, like, you've got to show the sweat as well as communicating openly. Um, lesson three... Know what you know and what you don't know. So at ReachOut, we're really fortunate for a not-for-profit organisation in that we have a dedicated research team. We have two, two full-time user re- UX researchers. We have a full-time service evaluator. We have a full-time data scientist. We regularly undertake co-design workshops, run diary studies. We run quarterly user testing. We also have annual surveys and brand studies and many, many, many more things besides that. And we know a lot about young people and we have lots and lots of data and it's beautiful um, but it's overwhelming. Um, And I think one of the biggest challenges we have as an organisation, especially one that has a tendency to kind of just do a little bit more research just to be sure, um, is being confident in what we know to be the constants with our users, with our young people um, and identifying the things that change beyond the obvious. And we didn't actually do so well with this, for this project at the beginning anyway. Um, so we ran a co-design workshop with workshops for this project with 80 young people across Australia. And in the first workshop we went in asking participants about their digital worlds. And we asked them about how they navigate life's ups and downs and what language they use to articulate those life's ups and downs. And we asked them about ReachOut's role in, um, in helping them to help themselves. And um, what we found is that there was, there's obviously nothing constant about young people's digital world, so we were right to kind of go in there and ask those questions. But actually, we got nothing new, nothing about how young people articulate life's ups and downs, their context in their everyday life, and about ReChat's role. And so it was a beautiful re-affirmation re kind of, of our service goals and our, that underline our service, but um, we knew that kind of going in. Um, and luckily we had the meld and they were amazing at pivoting. So what we did is we debriefed after that first workshop, we redesigned the whole workshop with them the next day and we delivered a whole new workshop the next night. Um, and the ability to kind of be nimble and change course and to recognise that I think has been a big experience, a learning experience. And so one of the outcomes of this project has actually been that we're now putting together an insights hub for the organisation Um, and so we can better access our knowledge so that we can track the last time a particular insight was um, reaffirmed and so that we can sort of see what insights are shifting as the environment changes.
1: Thanks, Marisa. Um, So I think, uh, as Mim um, alluded to, one of the opportunities we identified was that Reach Out had an opportunity to play an even more significant role in helping young people to be happy and well. But to deliver on that big future vision that we'd we'd outlined, we needed to shift the way that we were working. So we needed to um, connect earlier with young people. We needed to connect with them before things are really bad. And that's no mean feat because when life's good, life's good. And it's not until life gets really bad that I'm actively reaching out. And the um, other opportunity was that we... um, needed to deliver a service that could expand beyond reachout.com. We'd sort of always um, seen ourselves, and I guess the clue is right there in our name, reachout.com, as, um, as first and foremost a website. But if we were going to connect earlier with young people, we needed a service that could expand outside those touch points. Um, and the other big shift that our vision spoke to was that we have always focused on um, almost like an encyclopedic approach. So we provide all of the information on pretty much um, the broadest range of, of mental health and lifestyle topics. Um, so every, uh, yeah, as Mim said, everything from fighting with your parents, sex, suicide, drugs and alcohol, reach out goes there, and, and we cover it all. And when I when I go out and speak to stakeholders and um, different audience members, that's something they really value. Like they know if like ice is blowing up in the media, they'll be able to come to reach out and, and hear about it and, and hear about it from a young person's perspective. But we really needed. To to shift from that focus um, on, on information and comprehensive information to a focus on action. And when we look at our service um, at the moment, the majority of the tools and features that deliver impact sit on reachout.com. So while we do have a successful social media strategy and a successful partner strategy, that's usually about driving people to reachout.com. And we recognised that we needed to, uh, young people to be able to get help with, it, with potentially never, ever coming to the website and being able to deliver that service externally. So uh, using about, I think, a 1,000 post notes, 500 flip charts, a few kilos of blue tack, we developed our future service model. So you can see it up on the screen, and we brought our um, big our big shiny picture. Yeah. So, Mim, do you want to stand over here, maybe? so that, Yeah. This way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if I just walk you through it, um, can you? Sorry, hold it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> up. Um, So um, uh, in terms of our our bedrock, we we talk about it as our foundation, but um, to use just as our bedrock, that's really our program logic, our values and our UX goals. And it was really important that the model recognised those. And it was almost like you could hear a sigh of relief when people saw that the model started from those organisational foundations. The next layer reflected the reach-out engine room. And so that's our operational um, aspects. And that showed that we needed to um, organise ourselves and work differently if we were to achieve this imagined future. So it wasn't as simple as um, marketing are responsible for social media and they're just off doing that and and the service team are responsible for the website we needed everything to come together and and we're still really I would say working that through and the other thing that the grey layer um, speaks to is our commitment um, there's green t-shirts that you can see well, we probably can't see but there are them um, and they talk to our commitment to co-design and um, continuous service improvement with young people at every stage of program delivery and then um it's, yeah, it's probably hard to see, but when
0: it looks yellow on
1: the okay, when we look at the um, this layer, this is where the service comes in, and. Need to not fall off the stage. Um, but at the core, um, reachout.com remains at the core of the service. But what we see beyond that is an expanded role for our partner and platform, um, pub, partner and public platform networks. So um, and that all culminates in the features um, of the service. So integrated, proactive, engaging, impactful trusted, adaptable and sustainable and so this model really helped us um, as an organisation and um, as Jess talked about to I guess um, come together and we could all really get behind this model and um, it started to prompt discussions about things like investment so if we um, need to be uh, having an increasing role in that partner and public platform who's responsible for that, how are we going to fund that? Traditionally, marketing is an area that we, get, um, we have difficulty funding because people want to be funding the service. So it talks to how we need to be pitching for our, um, our funding opportunities. And so, our next challenge with this was that how do we... Um, this, this does represent a shift for the way that we work as an organisation and the way we, I guess, see our service. So, how did we bring our team of, like, very passionate and committed um, people along with this? And, and working with Jana at MELD, we knew it wasn't just kind of, here it is, here's what it means. We needed to bring it to life for them. What did young people need to... Uh, not young people, what did our staff need to think, feel or do as a result of this changing service model? And so earlier in the presentation, Mim introduced you to Amanda, and Amanda is a very well-known and loved persona at out And we actually used Amanda and her story, and to um, Tom, Nick, and Matt, our other personas, to walk through an immersive workshop to say, what do these shifts mean for our users? And that really brought to life for people what it meant for them, what it meant for our users, and why it was important. So um, our kind of re- overall reflections um, this were that it's really great to build from the familiar in terms of that bedrock um, nature of the service as well as um, using our personas to bring the shifts to life. And our final lesson is to learn to live with the mess and um, I think that Indiana Jones clip is the best thing that I've ever seen and that's how I feel. Every day. (laughs) And I'm just trying to keep just just in front of it. So um, it's, I think, very um, therapeutic to see that. So the project had highlighted nine key shifts that we needed to make as an organization. And they, they did span those different layers that Jess talked about. We had organisational buy-in at a high level. But what we really learnt in terms of implement, implementation and, um, was that the devil really is in the detail. And for each of those nine shifts, they really reflected individual design challenges then that needed we needed to go away, we needed to scope them, we needed to um, explore them and say, what did this mean in reality for the business? How would this change the way we worked? Who was going to drive it? What would success look like? Um, and that was kind of well and still is really messy and um really hard <laughs> and so an example is if you think about wanting to transform from being a comprehensive information service to a self-help action focused service how do we um like we've we've got 900 pages of content how do we kind of to use that saying murder our darlings and, and cut that back and where can we make those tough calls and how can we also bring it to life so um a great example from our content coordinator Naz, we talked about if you were wanting to tie a tie You'd go to YouTube and it would say, I don't know, find a tie, put the tie around your neck, tie it, pull it down, pull it through, you've tied your tie. If you come to reach out, we might tell you what a tie looks like, what it feels to wear a tie, here's a story from somebody who's worn a tie and why they wore the tie, but we kind of stop short from that focus of actually here's how you tie the tie. But when we're dealing with topics like suicide, bullying, um, drugs and alcohol, it's, it's not straightforward, it's not a linear process. And so we've had multiple iterations of um, our theory of change and um, kind of needing to try and articulate how we do make that transformation. And so what we've really focused on is a proof of concept for one topic, how would we make that transformation? Um, and we're still, we're still in that space at the moment. Um, and so within that, something to know about me is I like, structure... I like plans, I like timelines, (laughs) and what I learned the hard way, well, actually, I learned it talking to our finance manager at the pub, was that you can't apply formal structure to this phase. Like, We were essentially in a discovery phase where we were trying to work out what do we know What don't we know? What do we need to find out? And how um, can we bring all of that together to create this imagined future? And what we learned is we just had to stay in the mess and we had to remain kind of patient and optimistic until... we we felt like we had actually were able to achieve that vision. And so, obviously, that can't go on forever. But what we found um, is we we kind of time-boxed that period and we had a deadline of needing to brief our agency. And then we came up with um, micro-plans, which is um, really just what the hell are we going to do today? And then we would reassess, okay, what the hell are we going to do tomorrow? And kind of just trying to really um, gradually, and that was the only way of kind of, and gin of coping with... (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, and finally, I think um, a lesson that we um, learnt through this is that we were so fortunate to work with MELD um, and it was really like we we talk about it ourselves as a project team. We feel like it was the best thing we've ever worked on and like a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience for us to have that ownership and the trust from the business and the budget available. Um, And they brought the expertise, the energy, they drove the timeline and we could have absolutely not have, um, have achieved this without them. But when it came to implementation, it was really about like living and breathing the detail and you needed the service expertise. So while we'd kind of come to rely on um, the team at MELD, it was time for us to kind of walk alone. And we were, we were lucky that we could um, transition that into an advisory role and we sort of talk about them as the tugboat leading us through the, the, the harbour. But we were, we were dedicated to it and we were focused. And so uh, I guess our thinking was changing in the, and the pace that we were working at. And unless you were kind of in, in the room and in all of those discussions, it wasn't, um, it wasn't possible. So our reflections on implementation are that, um, unfortunately, it's not a discrete phase. You kind of can't just say, look, yep, tick, we're done. Here are all the metrics. This is when we'll know we've succeeded. Um, you need to keep checking in against the big vision. Absolutely the devil's in the, re- in the detail and you have to use, like we have to use real content, real examples um, to actually bring it to life and you have to try and be okay with the mess. And if anyone can help me with that. I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> um, so we would love to thank Meld Studios um, and Jana, who helped us to put this proposal together, and Catherine Cairns, who is our evaluation manager. And we um, yeah, we love this project. We learned a lot, and we're still yeah, working through what it means to, to bring it all to life, but that we hope that it will make um, a big difference to young people like Amanda and the many others like her. Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Service Design Canberra 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.